Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Mental Performance Group Coaching Program, brought to you by Fundraising University. And super excited for today's call with Libertyville High School Athletic Director John Woods. And before we get into today's call, just want to welcome everyone to today's group coaching and let you know that Fundraising University was recognized as one of the top 500 franchises in Entrepreneur's Magazine's Franchise 500. Entrepreneur Magazine is the world's first, best, and most comprehensive franchise ranking. And the 44th annual Entrepreneur Franchise 500 is a highly sought-after honor in the industry and recognized as an invaluable resource for potential franchisees. The 2023 Franchise 500 ranks Fundraising University as number one in the category among top 500 overall for its outstanding performance in areas, including unit growth, financial strength and stability, and brand power. So if you're interested in becoming a franchisee and running your own business, allowing coaches to dream big, to raise more, and to provide that elite educational athletic opportunity for their student-athletes, please contact Zach Sorensen with Fundraising University to learn more. It's Z Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N at fundraisingu.net. We're going to post that here inside of the chat for everybody as well. Super excited today to welcome John Woods, Athletic Director of Libertyville High School out just outside of Chicago and Illinois. And John is going to be breaking down today uh, what it takes to bring leadership, culture, and coaching development into athletic administration. And if you're a coach or you're an entrepreneur on today's call, I think what you're going to find is the systematic approach that John takes to building leadership and building culture is something that you can take and do with yourself as well as with those people who you're leading. So Coach John Woods, man, I know you've got a lot to cover today and I'm fired up for you to be with us here in the group coaching program. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much for having me. It's certainly an honor and a privilege. I want to thank Fundraising You and Mike Mahoon uh, for making it all possible. Quick background on me. This is my 22nd year as an athletic director. I spent uh, the first 17 years of my athletic administration career in Champaign, Illinois, at Champaign High School, school of about 1,400 kids. We had 21 varsity sports, uh, made the move up to Libertyville in, uh, in July of 2018. And a little bit bigger school, we've got uh, about 1,850 student athletes uh, with 31 varsity sports uh, and 92 teams. So a little bit bigger school and uh, a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun up here in the northwest uh, side of Chicago. So again, thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to share what we do. You got 1,800 student athletes, 92 teams. How many coaches total in your department, Woodsy? Oh my gosh. Um, individual coaches, I think 142. And then we have several that do multiple sports. Wow. So 1800 student athletes. Well, we have 1850 kids. So probably about 15, just over 1500 athletes. And 92 teams, 142 coaches. What's the student enrollment at Libertyville total? Uh, eight, just about 1850. So okay, we have okay. uh, we have a lot of kids that do multiple sports. We're blessed with um, a community where uh, kids have the opportunity to participate in the sports that they love. It's awesome, awesome, man. Well, I'm excited to learn more about what you're doing at the Ville, you know. And one of your one of your former Ville athletes, uh, Evan Scow, catcher in the White Sox organization, you know, I had all the way back at TCU, you know, over a decade ago. So excited to kind of you know learn more about his background and where he came from. So, Coach Woods, if you want to share your screen, man, I'll give you full permission here. Let's rock and roll. Excited to get after it today. And if anyone has questions for Coach Woods as we go through this, please feel free to put them inside of the chat. We'll make sure that we get those questions asked and answered. Cool. Can you see my screen? Sure can. Yep. All right. Good. Well, I want to start with a video. If you can hear it, give me a thumbs up. Uh, but when when we hear the phrase culture, uh, it made me think about this video. So I'm going to hit the little play button. Everything. Culture will hang a lot of banners. Can you hear it? Culture, 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 culture that we have. We've got to have a culture change. Culture change. We're going to change the culture. Complete change of culture. Build our culture. Build the right culture. Build a great culture. Build a culture. Build a culture here. Set a culture. Set your culture. If you have the right culture, 
Anything is possible. Create culture. Culture is about people. Culture is in place. Culture in place. Culture. 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 Establish the culture from day one. Set a culture. Create a culture that would produce results. Produce results to create a culture. Create a culture that produced results. Create this culture. Build the culture. 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 Everybody uses the word. So what is it? We all hear it. What is it? And so one of the things that that we did here at, at Libertyville High School is, is we work to define it. And culture to us is, is quite simply the behavior of our people. And, and one of my favorite things to do is just watch how uh, people behave. And it'll tell you a lot about their culture. And, and so I'll give you an example after, a, let's say, a basketball game, volleyball game, whatever. I like to look at the team bench and, and I can't tell you the number of times I've taken a picture of uh, team A, team B and their bench and 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 the, their bench, the condition of their bench when they leave will tell you a lot about the outcome on the scoreboard. And so how do you get where do you get to a place or how do you even start uh, implementing your culture in your school or your organization? And, and so where did we start? I mentioned I started in July of 2018. Uh, really spent the first several months just meeting with our head coaches. Actually, I started doing that a month after I was hired. I came up here in March from Champaign and spent a week. Uh, Chris Davis is the assistant AD here at Libertyville, and he set up uh, a meeting with each of our head coaches. So from 6.30 a.m. till 6 at night for four straight days, I was meeting with our head coaches. Uh, number one, to get to know them. Uh, two, for them to get to know me. And then three, to, to learn the culture and the community and the way things were done up here. And, and so in November, got all the head coaches in the same room and we wanted to ask uh, a few questions just to try to figure out where we're going collectively. So number one, who are we? Number two, do we function as 92 teams, 31 sports or one program? And, and the feedback was actually somewhere in between 31 sports and 92 programs, which meant within a sport, we were functioning as individual organizations. So your JV might do things differently than a varsity team. And full disclosure, Libertyville has had a history of tremendous success across the board. So it wasn't like there, things were bad. Things were really, really good here. So the question is, how do we go from good to great? Uh, and, and so those were some of the questions. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And how will we know uh, we're on the correct path. And then, of course, what do we value? And, and if we talk about process over outcome, can we articulate our process? You hear all the time people say, oh, trust the process, trust the process. Tell me your process. If you can articulate it, then I can certainly trust it. If you cannot articulate, how am I going to trust something you don't even know? Uh, so those were uh, great conversations with the coaches. Uh, so we started with the who are we? And uh, Chris put together a slide with some of our logos and you can see here some of our sports use different logos. Um, and then here's another example of the logos that we threw up. So we just started with like, what's our brand? Mm. Who are we? Where are we going? Uh, and that really got the wheels going. And the coaches were 100% on board. Uh, incredible group of people to work with now and or then and now. Uh, so how did we start? We got... Uh, opened it up. Who wants to be a part of our, our development team? So we had 18 head coaches. We had some assistant coaches also volunteer to join it. It was a collaborative effort. We started by identifying our principles, like what do we value? Uh, and so we put out a Google form. I think we had uh, just under 400 student athletes provide up to three principles and then provide us with not the dictionary definition, but the definition of the principle and what it looks like in action to them. So again, we didn't want the dictionary definition. We wanted to know what that principle looked like in action. And then from there, the team worked to put them into um, clusters, uh, common themes, uh, words that were uh, synonymous with each other uh, and worked for quite a while. As I mentioned, six months uh, to create our principles. And then we worked on our vision and then our mission. Uh, and it, it was a process. We met every Tuesday morning um, for, for five or, or six months. And then we rolled that thing out uh, in late May, right before we hit the summer, uh, heading into, uh, into the summer of 2019. And then, of course, the 1920 school year. Ironically, the same spring when COVID hit uh, was the first year we rolled it out. So a collaborative effort and uh, trying to get input from, from our stakeholders, our coaches and our kids who uh, who will certainly be asked to, to live it. And then coaches rolled it out um, at their in, um, 
their parent meeting to kick off their season. We rolled it out at family nights, awards nights, uh, et cetera, and really tried to push it out via social media as well. Every opportunity we had. Uh, and then we started branding our building. And I've, I've got some pictures that I'm going to share with you later. So that's that's the Cliff Notes version. Um, we landed on, I, I mentioned earlier, are we, do we function as 92 teams, 31 sports, or one program? Mm. So our core principles, uh, we use the acronym PROGRAM for our core principles. Um, and here's our MVP process. Uh, and so our mission is quite simple. We're going to focus on the individual development of each and every student athlete. Our vision, our where we're going, we want to be nationally recognized uh, for doing things better than they've ever been done before. And so if you think about getting up uh, and you strive every single day to do things better than they've ever been done before, that's got to at least get your batteries going uh, or at least get them recharged and get you going first thing in the morning to strive to do things better than they've ever been done before. Uh, and then our principles, I mentioned the acronym program, passion, respect, one, grit, reliability, accountability, and mindfulness uh, are the seven core principles. And, and again, that came from feedback from our coaches, from our student athletes, and then that group that put them together. We also established above the line and below the line behaviors. Brian, I know you talk about that a ton. Uh, and when we're talking about culture, we're talking about behaviors. So if we're going to identify what it is, we also need to talk a little bit about what it is not. Mm. And I got to be honest with you, like um, I know I was guilty of it as a coach. Uh, I coached for 16 years uh, coming up with the handbook that I would hand out is 37 pages. I was proud of it, had every rule, anything you could ever think of. Uh, the problem was I couldn't articulate what was on page 32, paragraph four, uh, item 1A or whatever. Uh, and, and when you identify your above the line and below the line behaviors and you have your core principles, it's really simple. It's really easy to hold yourself to the standard in addition to help support others meet the standard. Um, so we're really striving to eliminate handbooks across the country and really focus on on what what your your what you value, uh, and making sure that our behaviors align with with what we value. Uh, and then we talk about the performance pathway, and some of you are probably familiar with this. And and this is something that we put together a couple of years ago uh, and took it from um, Tim and Brian Kite, I believe, were were some of the first ones. And I know Urban Meyer talks about uh, the performance pathway quite a bit. And, and that's quite simple. Leadership drives culture. Culture drives behaviors and behaviors drive results. And if you think about, uh, take your team, if you had a 500 season, it's quite possible that you had 500 behaviors, 500 culture and 500 leadership. So not only does that performance pathway read left to right, but also right to left. And I think about as a coach, when we had our greatest uh, seasons in terms of the results, the record, the outcome, and then I work backwards and look at the behaviors, the culture and the leadership, uh, the two usually align. Now, you're going to have some one-offs where you got a great team and the behaviors, you couldn't wait to get to the finish line. Uh, and then you've had some results where you got you got maximum mileage out of the group that you had, and that's going to happen too. But I'd be willing to bet um, with certainty that um, overall, uh, you could find that the results are driven by the behaviors. And that's why I believe that culture is so important. Uh, and, and it's got to be something that you strive to continue to grow. Had a dance coach here uh, in her first year. We talked a lot about culture, culture, culture. I, it was like that video. And, um, and in her first year, she, man, they, they did a wonderful job of implementing our program core values. And at, at her end of season uh, review slash preview for the following season, one of the things that she said, and I remember it like it was yesterday, was it is so much easier to establish a culture than it is to maintain. And once you establish it, the real work comes in maintaining that culture. So you got to continue cultivating that culture. It's kind of like uh, like out in the fields, you're growing corn this year. Uh, it's no guarantee that you're going to have corn next year. You got to continue to work the process. Uh, and so that's our that's our uh, Libertyville High School MVP, MVP process. Excuse me. Uh, and, and so thinking about how did we teach that, I talked about rolling it out. Uh, it's a part of every single one of our coaches meetings, whether it be our um, fall, winter and, and spring season coach all staff meetings, or if it's a part of our weekly or biweekly head coach meetings, 
any conversation that we have, we're always referencing our MVP process and whether that's the mission, the vision, core principles or the above the line behaviors. Uh, and, and here's the very foundation of our student leadership and peak performance group. Uh, we use this as a curriculum. And I've had a lot of people ask, like, what do you use for a curriculum? So I'm switching gears from staff to students. What do you use for your curriculum with your kids, your leadership group? It's quite simple. We use our core principles and we use the 10 pillars of peak performance from Brian King. And that drives our curriculum. And then we um, bring in resources or, or use any resources we have available um, to support and develop our weekly lessons. Uh, so we not only teach our staff, but we also teach our kids um, everything uh, about the MVP process at Libertyville High School. This is something that we also put together. So you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, and Brian, I believe you uh, might have referenced Maslow a little bit this morning, perhaps, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so when you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-determination, uh, at the very foundation, we talk about relationships, engagement, leadership, development, culture, cultivation, those behaviors. And you've got to have connection before you can have any sort of correction within an organization. So we talk about strategies to develop connection and be intentional about developing connection with those that you lead. If you're a coach, be your athletes, your assistant coaches. If you're an AD, it's going to be your staff in addition to your kids. Uh, if you're a business leader, it's obviously those that work with you. Uh, so once we establish that strong foundation, then we can start looking at the physical, the mental, the strength and conditioning, the nutrition, the rest and the recovery, and begin building our way up to the top of that pyramid, which is ultimately what are we trying to do? We're trying to get results, which is uh, towards the end of that leadership uh, drives culture, culture drives behaviors, behavior drives, drives results. So if we have a strong foundation, then we can start building those X's nose and skills and drills and fundamentals into what we do. Uh, and that's the performance pathway. Had a date night with my bride uh, last year. Uh, that wasn't the last date night, by the way. That was a date night a year ago because <laughs> we do have a date night once a week. I'm intentional about scheduling that. Um, but I was sitting at a, at the table and here in the restaurant, I'm looking at faith and belief. Sitting right there on the wall, I pull out my phone, I take a picture. My wife said, I wasn't even in the picture. She thought I was snapping one of her. I was a little embarrassed to say, I'm taking the picture of what's right above your shoulder. Faith and belief. You hear a lot of people say, oh, well, if they would just buy in. You know, the team didn't buy in this year. If our staff would buy in, if the people would buy in, the reality is buy in doesn't stick. And buy-in places the responsibility squarely on the shoulders of those you lead. So as a coach, if I say, well, the team just didn't buy in this year, that places the responsibility on the shoulders of 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. And so as the leader of the organization, it is my responsibility to make sure that we are creating something that the kids believe in because belief sticks. And so... Faith and belief, you give people something to be hopeful for when you've got faith in the future. There's power in the present, which gives us the opportunity to focus on what we control. So faith and belief are truly at the foundation of how we function as an organization. And then we put together the, the five stages of coaching. And I think I stole some of this from Jeff Jansen years ago and uh, took it and, and tweaked and actually defined what each one of those stages consist of. Because when we're talking about people and we're talking about building relationships and we're talking about connection, we've got to have a system in place and some way of identifying how we do this. So when you think about the five stages of coaching, and, and I've linked it in the next slide, so you all have what we've put together. Uh, and actually what we put together was a description of each one of those, but I'll, I'll share briefly. Uh, survival mode is like years one and two where that first year coach is like one day ahead of the kids. So I'm, I'm, I might be showing up with a practice plan. I'm hopeful that I've got all the materials that I need. Like think back to your first year at whatever you were doing, you were in survival mode and that's okay because the goal is always growth and we know that we're gonna get better. So my role as an, as an athletic administrator is to help support, is to support those coaches that are in stage one, stage two. So I've got awareness of where they're at and the support they need. And so the goal is to get them from survival 
into stage two, which honestly is, is going to happen. I think we've all been there. Uh, if we haven't, I know I have. Uh, so think about stage two. That'd be like years three, four, maybe five. Uh, some spend a career there and the goal is to get them out of there. But that's where um, we're having success because of me. That's the coach that says, I've never lost to so-and-so. And I'm like, wait, did you play? I'm confused. Who was playing? I've never lost. Or you go to the track meet and it's the coach who's got the state champion shot and discus thrower and they're carrying the shot and the discus. So everybody knows I'm coaching that athlete right there. Uh, that is that selfish strive for success stage. And, and we all go through it. We win because of me, not because I've got great players and a great staff around me. Uh, so, so the goal then is to get them through stage two and into stage three, which is significance. And that's where we play a significant role in the lives of others. That is that coach that understands that foundation is about connection and not necessarily a transactional uh, relationship with the children. That's that's that kid that's going to send you that invitation uh, to their graduation party from college. That's a kid that's going to send you the invitation to their wedding. That's a kid that's going to send you the announcement of the birth of their first child. That is significance. Stage four is satisfied. That's where you've won the title, whatever the title may be. And now we're starting to roll out uh, the balls. We're starting to show up using the same practice plans that we used the year before. Uh, and, and we've become a little satisfied. So we become complacent in our approach to uh, our leadership role. And the goal is to now, instead of getting them through satisfied, is to bring them back to stage three, which is significance. And that's where you want your coaches or those that you lead to spend the remainder of their career. Stage five is spent. That's where they'd rather be at home on Friday night watching reruns of The Bachelor in Paradise than sitting on a yellow bus driving uh, somewhere in, in the dead of winter uh, to play a game and sit on that hard bench. Um, and, and so again, if we can't get them from satisfied back to significance, uh, if they get to spent, that's where you got to have some really tough conversations. And honestly, if, if I get a coach that goes from satisfied to spent, I take responsibility for that um, because I believe that I've failed that coach in helping them get back to why they got into the profession in the first place. Um, so if you look at, at that link, and Brian, I know you shared it, um, that link actually will take you to uh, what we've put together for the five stages that gives you a better description of what those look like. So now that you've got it in place, what, what now? Well, we've got to live it, number one. We've got to teach it. We've got to recognize it. And then we've got to assess it. And so, uh, Brian, I, I think I got this from you. If it doesn't happen within you, it's not going to happen through you. Hmm. And so with our staff, uh, Chris actually led this with our staff. So developing your personal MVP. And Brian, this is where we really did a deep dive this spring with our coaches, was committing uh, as an athletic department to encouraging our coaches to do the personal MVP. Uh, and so I put some examples there that you can certainly access. Uh, there's mine, there's Chris's. And then uh, we threw in an example of one of our coaches who um, did say that I could have permission to share it. Uh, and then we share them with our coaches and uh, and truly believe that if our coaches um, want account, if you want some accountability or if you want to take responsibility for what you put in your MVP process, share it. <laughs> and that includes me. That includes Chris. Again, if it doesn't happen within you, it's not going to happen through you. So how can I possibly encourage a coach to consider putting together a personal MVP if I'm not willing to do it myself? And in addition to that, if I'm not willing to share it and which will enhance uh, the, the responsibility level and the ownership level. Uh, and then, of course, with our sports, um, we our coaches in the spring, man, they did a super job of putting together their team MVP or MVP process. And there's examples there, three of our 13 spring sports uh, that you can certainly check out. And you'll notice that some of them took it. They, they took it and ran with it, whichever direction they wanted to go. We didn't put any rules. Uh, some coaches submitted a draft of their personal and asked, did I do this right? And the reality is we didn't want to like say, have a one size fits all. It's you've got to believe in it before you can live it. So we didn't want buy-in. We want to believe in. So uh, the opportunity for coaches to take it and make it their own uh, was what we did. And Brian, you'll see that there's a couple of them designed it the way with some of the examples that you shared with us. Uh, and some of them took it and went a different direction and that's okay. 
but they've got a foundation now. And then in the fall uh, and next winter, all of our teams will be doing that. And actually, Chris and I are leading a, a course, we hope this summer, um, uh, on, on the MVP process. And, and I, I'll tell you this, um, one of our, well, our associate principal told me that they are now taking the MVP process and utilizing it with their first and second year teachers hmm. so that they are developing a plan. So now they have a system for developing a plan for where they're going and, and how they're going to get there. And of course, how the administration can support them in the classroom. So seeing this transition into the classroom, I got to believe that that kids are going to benefit from this and, and our staff is going to grow, not only in the athletic arena, but in the academic arena as well. So questions to ponder. So these are questions that we posed at our spring coaches meeting. How much better can I become? And so, like, think about this. Am I a final product? Am I as good as I'll ever be? Like at, at my age, uh, I'm, I'm probably a little closer to yes than, than some other folks out there. But the reality is there's no chance I'm as good as I'll ever be. Uh, and then where am I putting legitimate effort into getting better? And so go back to those five stages. Am I as good as I'll ever be? Am I in that spent stage? Where am I putting legitimate effort in? And can I articulate that effort? And then how hard and how often am I working at it? And of course, how do I know if I'm making progress? So Brian, thinking about habit share, are we tracking what we say we're doing and what we say we're working towards in our personal MVP process. What does that do, Coach Woods, when you have people that track that with habit share? What have you found as, as when your coaches do track that? What's that do for their behavior awareness? Well, I can tell you a couple that I know um, it's been life-changing, like legit life-changing, transformational. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, we don't have a ton that are doing it, but we've got some student athletes that are doing it. We've got some coaches that are doing it. Those that have done it, uh, are all in. And so you go back to the stages where now nah, it's okay. I, I'm not going to do it or it's okay for somebody else. And then they give it a shot. And then they're like, holy smoke, I can't believe I did it any other any other way. Uh, that's straight from you. Uh, that's what we see. And so the first step is doing, getting started. And, and as you said, it's the start that stops most people. Um, that's the biggest hurdle. And then once people get started, it's difficult to stop. And I like getting the little reminders in my little habit share. Hey, are you okay? I haven't seen you plug anything in for a day or two. So increasing that accountability, the awareness and the ownership and the accountability is, is, uh, has been, has been phenomenal. Well, it increases the awareness, right? And awareness is the first step to all growth. It's like, you can't just talk about it. You got to be about it. It's the difference between a ninja and a dude who plays with swords, right? The dude who plays with swords just starts talking about what they want to do, where the ninja actually makes a plan and tracks their behavior and gives it ample time on their schedule. And I think if you're an entrepreneur on this call, look, your, your, your process is working perfectly. You're an entrepreneur, you're a coach on this call. Your process is working perfectly. That's something I know about you mm. or the results you're getting. So mm -hmm. if you want more results, you want to make more money, you want to make bigger impact, whatever it is that you want to do more of or do better of, you need a better process. Mm -hmm. So until you look in the mirror and you start taking complete ownership and accountability for your business and for your program and for your life, you're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where habit share has been such a game changer coach for, for my clients and for myself, you know, is just the awareness that it creates and the accountability that it creates. And athletes, the coaches, the entrepreneurs, the executives who I coach, they're all really looking for three things. They're looking for clarity. Tell me what to do, how many sets, how many reps, how often, why. Give me accountability, hold me accountable to doing it, and then give me support when I struggle. What do I need to do to get better? So I love what you're talking about here, man, and, and, and breaking it down. And before we go any further, I just want to want to take a second to again, you know, thank Coach Mike Bahoon and Fundraising University uh, for sponsoring and bringing this program together and making it, you know, available, Coach, for, for you to share what you're doing at Libertyville with coaches all across the world. I think this is just amazing, man, and I'm blown away at what you guys are doing. It's incredible. And, you know, Fundraising University, they offer a variety of fundraising efforts to help teams and students run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time to reach your fundraising goals. So if you're interested in running a fundraiser with fundraising, 
fundraising university or becoming a franchise owner and helping coaches and programs run fundraisers, please contact Zach Sorensen, zsorensen at fundraisingu.net to learn how to get started with fundraising. I'm going to put that inside of the chat as well. So, you know, Coach Woods, you were, you were talking about the focus and how good are we? Are we becoming better? You know, continue to, to roll with us here because, I mean, what you're talking about is, is so spot on with what <clears> we're <throat> trying to teach here inside of this group coaching. But yeah, and I'll go back to what you said, but like your organization, our organization is perfectly engineered to get the results that we're getting. And so if we're not reflecting, if we're not assessing what we're doing and we're not striving to grow and get better, then what are we doing? We cannot expect different results if we don't grow, we don't assess and we don't have the awareness of where we're at. I, can I give a plug to fundraising you? Yeah, 100%, please. <laughs> so we had two sports jump in with fundraising you, and, and Mike has been terrific with us. Uh, we had two sports just blow it out of the water. One coach uh, was skeptical going in, and when I gave her an update on where they were, she was like, what, 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 what? I said, yeah, and it's continuing to grow. Uh, blown away with the system that they have uh, for fundraising and how to help schools meet their needs. So so hats off to them and, and what they're doing. That's awesome. I, that's fantastic. I didn't, I didn't realize that you guys were doing that. It's amazing. I mean, I had, I've run one fundraiser with fundraising university and we did 30,000 in an hour. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, so going back to your uh, follow-up question. So like, where is our focus? Do we focus on how good we are or how great we can become? And, and to me, that's, that goes back to our, our, our vision of doing things better than they've ever been done before. So staying away from stage four of coaching, which is satisfied and remaining in significance and continuing to grow our staff and providing opportunities for them to grow and get better. And so uh, there's a little quote down there from Dr. Rob Gilbert I took from one of his talks is, uh, the ones that are really good are the ones who are eager to get better. The ones who are very average believe they're good and rarely ever do anything to get better. And so we think about how can we continue to support our staff in their growth journey and going back to if it doesn't happen within you, it ain't going to happen through you. So how do we teach it? I mentioned our seasonal uh, coaching staff meetings where we bring in all of our fall coaches and feed them, all of our winter coaches and feed them, all of our spring coaches and feed them. And it's not the make sure you got your physicals in, make sure you got your bus schedule in. Like our spring, it has been an evolution. And this last spring, it's really a great opportunity for our coaches to get together. And then we also build in time for them to sit together as a staff to work on their MVP process to get it started because it's the start that stops most people. But the professional development opportunities that we offer, uh, clinics, camps, conferences, school visits, workshops, uh, for the coaches, if they want to go, I just had a coach uh, email me today. He's Brian, not far from you. He's in Phoenix right now. He drove to Albuquerque, New Mexico to go to a, a swim coaches conference, trying to get him hooked up with uh, with Coach Bowman at Arizona State. Uh, the guy is he's been coaching for 35 years and his juice level is off the charts. He wants to continue to grow and get better. So we got to provide those opportunities. And then we have in-house PD that we offer because I know that schools budgets aren't uh, necessarily where, where ours is. Ours isn't where I wish it was, uh, but it's definitely not uh, not uh, better than someplace I've been. Uh, so we, we've had a breakfast club um, where we'll do a book, we'll do optimize and meet once a week and have coaches share out. We'll do like a Google sheet. Uh, you'll have the book, you'll share the ideas similar to what you're doing uh, with the optimized stuff. Uh, we've done uh, book clubs in the summer. Uh, Brian, we had you with our lunch and learn last year, this year, the uh, the evening sessions. Uh, and it, what's great about those is if coaches can't be on them, like here, the five five o'clock time for our spring coaches, they're in the middle of it. Our winter coaches, they're, they're like trying to spend time with their families and get reacquainted. But what they do have the opportunity to do is watch those recordings. So, so valuable uh, that that resource just continues to live on. Uh, the weekly I uh, mentioned the, the coaching MPM summer courses. I mentioned Chris, Chris and I, uh, actually I'll give Chris most of the credit for designing the course, uh, being the engineer behind it. Uh, the optimized stuff we send out in our weekly uh, updates that I send to our staff. I try to include a question, an article, a video, an optimize, and, and then an idea from another sport that's working. So this week I threw in two ideas that a couple of our teams are doing. 
And if we're working in silos, man, we're not collaborating. We're not growing together. So trying to share those great ideas that work uh, and how do we do it? I send out a weekly email update uh, to our staff that that is inclusive of all that. Not quite a newsletter yet, more just an email. Uh, my goal is to get to newsletter caliber or newsletter worthy. Newsletter worthy. I mentioned our Wildcats will uh, earlier. This is our peak performance and leadership development group. And um, when I first got here, the traditional group was get your captains in there. And, and what ends up happening is coaches will send their best player that they hope is also their captain. The reality is your best player needs to be your best player. Your best leader needs to be your best leader. And sometimes the two are one in the same. There's overlap, but sometimes they're not. Uh, so what we want to do is open it up to anybody and everybody. I don't care if you're a freshman. I don't care if you're a senior. I don't care if you're freshman B or varsity. I don't care if you're uh, a starter or, or, or not. Uh, because leadership and peak performance does not have an age, nor does it have a grade. And so it's open to anybody and everybody. We've had parents stop in. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a couple of our security guys in there last week because they hear about what we're teaching and, and believe it's valuable. Uh, and I told you what our foundation is for our curriculum. It is our core principles and it is the 10 pillars of peak performance. Uh, and we meet every single Friday, 7.45 to 8.30 a.m. in our studio theater. And sometimes we'll have 100 and sometimes we'll have 10. Uh, depends on what's going on in the building and, and what's happening. Um, but a majority of the time we'll have somewhere between uh, 40 and 50 kids in there. Uh, and we get the place rocking. Brian, we get it rocking with a little thunderstruck to kick it off every Friday morning. And uh, and it's a lot of fun. So believe that there's value. But if you want to teach, go teach it and, and don't leave leadership and peak performance and culture cultivation up to others. So I believe that that if I expect our coaches to do it, then I, I've got to be able to offer a venue where it happens as well. So we'll have coaches come in there, too. I mentioned branding. So I'm just going to buzz through some pictures here. Uh, you see the lovely yellow paint uh, on the walls. Coach, Woods, Coach yeah. Woods, real quick, could you hit the slideshow button? So these pictures are a little bit bigger. If you hit that slideshow button up on the top right, there we go. Perfect. There we go. It'll be a little bit bigger for us. Uh, oh, yeah. Now yeah, we're getting we go. somewhere. Okay. Good. So we're, we're doing our best to cover up anything yellow in this building. I think Menards must have had a big sale on yellow paint uh, <laughs> some time ago, and we bought it, all of it. Uh, but we, we're branding our stuff. So that wall there is about 30 feet wide. That wrap is about 12 feet high. Mm. Uh, we've got our core values there. We've got them. That's, uh, that's actually Chris's office right there. Uh, just wrap the windows. There's uh, the windows to our office here, the athletic office. Uh, there's our core values. There they are in a challenge coin uh, that we give to our kids that win the NSC Sportsmanship Award. There's our West Gym. Uh, used to be a blank slate. And now it's filled up. That's 84 feet wide by, I think, uh, the between the two of them is 16 feet tall. And those are kids in action on top. And then our state champion teams below. Uh, this is heading down to our dance studio. Here's uh, going into our new pool entrance. Uh, that was a signing day. So I just snapped a shot of that. Uh, so you can see how we're really trying to brand mm. and promote our core principles in addition to our cat. Uh, because we are the Wildcats. And, what is daring? What's daring underneath the Wildcat country? I'm so glad you asked that. That is the daring mission of District 128, Community High School District 128. So uh, that was one of the things that attracted me to this district was they have a mission that everybody could articulate what it is. So the daring mission is an acronym for dreamers and doers, awareness, um, resilience, uh, resilient and healthy, inquisitive, nimble, global and then there's a brief definition of each one of those um each one of those letters from the daring mission uh super cool so we try to incorporate what the district is doing mm -hmm. along with what we're doing so it's almost like like the district has a, probably not adopted as advanced a version as you are but the but daring would be for the school district what program is for athletics yes and i'm sure that they've kind of gone back and forth i'm sure that they're looking at what you're doing and going wow we probably can up what we're doing with daring for the district well, as I mentioned, they've taken the MVP process yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and, and incorporated that into, into the classroom at Libertyville High School with, um, with uh, our, our rookie teachers. Mm. Um, here's our, our, the front doors. You can see the, the glaze up there. 
we, we have got it everywhere. That's our new weight room, uh, 7,800 square feet of just getting after it. And then outside the weight room, we've got our next level boards. Uh, you can see we added one there to the right of that 85 inch monitor that houses our record boards for the weight room uh, that we can update with. Uh, instead of having a board with permanent names that you got to order new name, we just make a, a slideshow and, and change it as, as they get changed, uh, which has really been uh, a great addition. That's our pool. We got a 50 meter pool. Those each one of those wraps, those used to be blank walls, by the way. Hmm. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not a blank wall kind of guy. Uh, those are our wall wraps are about 17 feet by 12 feet. Uh, they're monsters. And it was fun to watch those go up and the kids love them. And we'll work on swapping those out every several years. Uh, we might have to do a little fundraising you, though, to make that happen. You guys go. Is that you have a water polo team? Oh, yes, we do. Uh, and, and so we did. We didn't have record boards for water polo. And, and if we're going to recognize behavior, right? Recognize behavior as repeated behavior. We got to promote yeah. them. Yeah, and yeah. so this is outside the pool rather than inside the pool. We wanted it down the main hallway of the pool because it's a highly visible area. I didn't want just the people that go into the pool to see the records. Mm -hmm. Let's put them out for everybody to see. Uh, and it's fun. We have a little celebration. We got eight more. Uh, getting swapped out this year. We've already had two boys uh, water polos, water polo records go down um, before the halfway, well, right at the halfway point of the season. So uh, kids look at them. Also gives uh, gives kids something to push for. 100%, right? I mean, you walk in there every day, you're going to see that. You know, The first thing they're going to think is, I want my picture up there. I want my name up there. Yes, yes. And so we those banners on the right are our some of our we're missing four. They're on the other side of that gymnast painting. Uh, our state champions, we've got another uh, state champion. Anna just won state again. Uh, she was the all-around champion, so we're going to build that around the wall. We got new record boards up there in the gymnastics gym because uh, we want the we want our kids to have something to strive for. You got to set an intention. Let's give them an intention to set. And then here in our hallway, uh, this is we started doing these a couple of years ago. These are state of Illinois cut plaques. Uh, they're acrylic, I believe. They are 19 and a half inches tall by 10, 11 inches wide at, from Quincy to Danville. Uh, and, and the kids love them. These are in the hallway. I'm telling you, this hallway has turned into a museum where people are stopping and wondering, what do I have to do? I had a kid two weeks ago ask, what do I have to do to get up there? You need to be a school record holder or you need to earn all state recognition. And then you're going up. He said, I'll be there next year. Good. Mm -hmm. Love it. Uh, we just did this one. <laughs> if you look on the on the left, that was uh, the trophy case that was in that earlier picture of the Wildcats. You could see that it needed a, a, a little transformation. So we did it. We wrapped the back of it. Uh, we just started a Hall of Fame two years ago. Our first Hall of Fame class is in. Uh, so we got plaques of each of our first two classes in there. And then we were trying to figure out what to do with the hallway on the back side of it because it was all yellow. And um, there were also like five closets up against that wall. So we had the closets removed. Uh, I got my paintbrush out and painted the pillars in the garage door black. And we had that whole thing wrapped and we called it our hall of champions. So embedded in these wraps, this is only part of it. Uh, that wrap is like, I don't know, 18 feet tall by a lot. And then the one in the trophy case is, is pretty wide. I think they're eight feet wide by six feet tall is every single one of our state champions, individual state champions and team state champions are embedded in these wraps. Uh, so shout out to VIP <clears throat> and what they've done for us. So Brian, you talk all the time. <laughs> what do we measure? What do we recognize? What is our process? Measurement we know is motivation, recognize behavior is repeated behavior. You measure the process, you get more process. You get more process, you get more success. And, and so uh, we truly believe that. So what are we measuring uh, and, and what are we recognizing? And then obviously we talk all the time about trust the process. Make sure you got a process to trust and that you can articulate it. Uh, working right now with our baseball coach, he's got a, a great process for measuring um, a, a, a successful performance in a baseball game. Regardless of, of the outcome on the scoreboard, they call it their battles, win the battles. They got an offensive, defensive, pitching, and, and gosh darn it, I can't remember. Quab maybe, uh, quality at bats. 
Uh, so we're instead of keeping it on paper in their dugout, we got a six foot by three foot board, full color. Uh, we're working with the uh, company right now to finalize the art, but we want that thing posted up in the bowl, in the in the dugout, so the kids can see where are we at, and also what's important to a successful outcome in the game. So it's right there in front of the kids; they're seeing it all the time. They're talking about it all the time. Keeps them present and in the moment rather than focusing on the outcome. Uh, so what else do we recognize? We got our wildcat of the week, and that. Coaches, we have a Google form. The Google form contains our M, V, and P. So this is the criteria for nominations. There's also an academic component, but we don't want to recognize necessarily recognize just the kid that scored the most points, had the most runs, swam the fastest, jumped the farthest, threw the farthest, whatever. We want the kid that's living our core principles. And so the coaches are asked to give us the name, obviously the sport, and then we need a brief description for the reason or the rationalization for their nomination. And they in it, they use passion, respect, one, grit, reliability, accountability, or mindfulness. Some of them use all the above. Uh, and then we bring the kids down on Thursday, I send them an email. And it's not just one. We have wild cats of the week. I think last week we had eight kids down here. Mm. And I'll read what the coach said about them, tell them who read it. And then we give them a T-shirt. We give them a certificate. And then we got a little, uh, well, I won't say the company because we don't want to give them free promotions. Uh, but we give them a little buy one, get one. And, uh, and then we take a picture. We post them up on social media. We post them up on the TV in the, in the hallway across the hall here that's surrounded by those state of Illinois plaques. We also push it out to the entire staff with a description of what this kid did so that the teacher can see him in class and say, I saw you were Wildcat of the Week. And then we push it out in our EPAWS, which is a weekly newsletter that goes out to every family in District 128 in addition to our alumni. So we want to catch the kids living what we ask them to live. Yeah, catch them then, doing something right. Yeah, I love that. Let's go, man. Celebrate it. I mentioned these earlier, uh, the challenge coins. And then I, I stole this. Is is uh, Russ Waterman on here? I can't I can't see everybody. But uh, Russ, thanks for the shout out. Uh, and and Brian, I got these from Yuki. Nice, nice. <laughs> and she did a great job. Uh, great price on them too, by the way. Holy smoke, it was incredible. Uh, so measuring, what are we measuring? Uh, so we've talked about setting that intention. We've talked about scheduling it. We've talked about uh, like our process for recognition. But then. How do we know this is working? we got to measure it. We've talked about the teams and their measurements with their process. But for us, we do student at, we got a, a Google form uh, where we ask our student athletes to give us some feedback on, on how we're doing, how we are living, in addition to some of the other things that are important that are in that hierarchy of needs, that wildcat hierarchy of needs. Are we talking about nutrition? Are we talking about rest and recovery? Are we getting in the weight room? And then... Um, <clears throat> the expectation is that every single child will complete the midseason uh, feedback form. And then I just send the feedback to the coaching staff. So we'll leave it open for a week, get in there. Uh, coaches, if you need me to come to your practice to share why we do, why it's so important, I'll come and, and, and talk to the kids. And then we ask the coaches to designate like 15 minutes for the kids to be able to do this so we can get the feedback. And then the coaches are charged with taking the feedback, reviewing the feedback, and then reflecting. So what are we doing well? What can we do better? And how can we do it? And a lot of that is driven by the feedback that the kids give them. And, and again, going back to our vision of doing things better than they've ever been done before, now we got real-time feedback from the kids that are in it. And then, of course, we do an end of the season and our end of season. And Brian, you know, last year we talked about that mid-season feedback form. I don't know if you remember, but that came from you. We were doing an end of season. You're like, dude, why are you doing end of season? You're not going to see him for nine months. Right, right. So doing the midseason game changer. And the coaches, I'm telling you, man, the feedback from our If you're not doing a midseason uh, feedback form uh, of your student athletes, that is, if, if there's nothing you take away from this, I encourage you to take that. But make sure your midseason feedback questions align with who you say you are and where you say you're going. Uh, and then... You know, if if I expect the kids to give feedback on the coaches, then doggone it, I better do the same. 
And so I ask our coaches to provide me with some real-time feedback. And what I do with that is I put together a plan. If it's something I need to implement right now, I'm going to do it. Otherwise, I take what the coaches say, and then I build it into a plan for next year on how I'm going to get better. Like we want to see you at more practices. Good. 4 to 5 p.m. this year, I've been in practices. Fall and winter, I was way better than I am right now. Uh, but continuing to strive to get better at that. I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for the feedback I got from the coaches. Yeah, I should. But when the coaches say it, it it, it hits my feelings a little bit. Uh, and, and so it really uh, motivated me to do that. And Chris and I, uh, Chris is phenomenal. I don't know if I've mentioned that. By the way, he's athletic director of the year in the state of Illinois this year. Chris Davis. Uh, <laughs> Chris Davis. Dominate the day. Let's go. He'll be getting recognized Saturday night down there in East Peoria. Uh, but that's how we measure it. And we want the feedback from the from the kids, and and I want the feedback from the coaches. Uh, and then, like I said, we we have our preview meetings, review and preview our end of season meetings, and uh, and and start to build a plan. Not only how we can continue to either a course correct or continue along the course that we're on, um, but also for next year too. Hmm. Woodsy. Take a deep yeah. breath. Take a deep breath, man. Kick back. We got plenty of questions coming in here. But first, I want to just take a second to, you know, again, thank Fundraising University and Mike Bahoon for allowing us to, to, to go with this group coaching program and for it to continue and let people know that Fundraising University is always looking for individuals throughout the country that are competitive. Here's their core principles. Their program, competitive, organized, self-starters, and teachable, right? And empathetic. And if you're a coach or you're an athlete or a business-minded individual and you would love to work with coaches and athletes, creating opportunities for them, like you're talking about Coach Woods, contact Zach Sorensen, Z Sorensen at fundraisingu.net. Coach Woods, since you mentioned that you've worked with Fundraising University, just talk about your experience with them, maybe maybe different compared to what you've done in the in the past with fundraising. Um, gosh, darn it. You know, the system that Mike has, uh, Mike Magnus, the, the system that he has is, um, when he first shared, I think we were, at, we were at Ohio state, mm -hmm. uh, when we, uh, first formally met in person. And when he met with Chris and I at dinner that night, he shared about the system because everybody's gonna say, well, what percentage do they get? Right. What percent, right. you know, it's not about like, what do you want? What are your needs? And then how can we help you get there? And Mike talked about his system about meeting with the coaching staff collectively before he ever comes in and makes a determination about, is this thing going to work? Because he said, if every coach does not believe in, not buy in, doesn't believe in why they're doing what they're doing, like, why are we raising money? Is it just to have money or do we have a purpose? And if you can't articulate your purpose, then the kids aren't going to believe in why you're fundraising. And the folks that are planning on giving money definitely ain't going to believe it. So Mike meets with the staff to make sure everybody believes in <clears throat> and that they have a clear and compelling why they need to raise money. Uh, so that blew me away from the get go. And then when Mike, when I saw it in action, whoo, first team that did it here was our cheer program. Coaches all met, uh, and then the coaches obviously shared it with the kids. And then, gosh darn it, next thing I know, I'm looking at the numbers, just go bloop, bloop, and they're raising the money that they need to get what they need, not what they want, to get what they need. Yeah. So the system. And you had said the coach was blown away at how easy it was. <laughs> she said, uh, if you need anybody to uh, have me come and talk to them, I volunteer. It's awesome. So, I mean, yeah, that's, what, that's what it, it was, was like. In Eastmont. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was an athletic director in Vermont, some of the fundraisers we would do sending kids into the community and doing car washes and bake sales and like, you know, secret raffle and not raffle. What's it called? Like, a, um, where they, people come in and they, they bid on something and whatever it's called, you know, I don't know what yeah. it's called, but silent auction. Thank you. Silent auction. And I just remember like how time consuming it was and how little the payback was for it. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. like, and then we did the one with fundraising university to fund you now and raise $30,000 in an hour. And I said, I, I will never, ever in my life do something other than this, you know, and Russ Waterman would echo that same thing. I mean, he has got his coaches at the Dave Matthews band concert at the gorge, which is great to go to if you're going to watch, but they're there and they're working the beer tent and they're pouring beers and they're walking out of there with maybe, you know, a, a sixth of what we raised in an hour and they're there for four days, you know, and it's like, what, what we gotta, we gotta sometimes, and this is not just with fundraising, this is with everything in life is we got to press pause long enough to go. 
am I doing this the best way it can be done? And I will tell you, John Woods, from being an AD myself for, for whatever it was, eight, eight or nine years and working with a lot, a lot of athletic directors, like, I can't tell you how impressed I am with what you guys are doing. Hmm. I mean, what you're doing at Libertyville with the branding, with the representation of your student athletes in that branding with the hall of fames, with the recognition, with the core principles, with the development, with the Friday meetings, with the coaches, midseason evaluations. Like I'm sitting here like jaw dropped, man, going, how do you do it all? And I got Chris now, Davis. Well, I, I mean, how, how, <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there going, how do you do it all? And that's the wrong question. Okay. The right question is I'm a new AD. Where do I get started? Where would you recommend? Give me like three first steps of these are the first things that three things I'm going to do. Or another question would be if you were to leave Libertyville and you're moving to Tampa and you're taking over high school in Tampa, Florida, what would be the first three things that you would do? Um, in Tampa, Florida, first thing I'd do is try to find a place close <laughs> to the water. No. Yeah, yeah, and call Chris yeah. Lavoy. Yeah. You know what? I mentioned Chris a lot, but I got to be honest with you, Brian, our coaching staff is phenomenal. Yeah. They re- we're certainly fortunate to have incredible individuals that that really do it for the right reasons. So I think first and foremost, you got to get to know your people. And um, this has been an evolution. It was not a come in day one and start to do this stuff. It it took time. I mentioned the the week I took in March before I even started here meeting the coaches. So you got to get to know your people. And, and number two, you also got to you got to get a feel for the community and the culture within the community and, and get an idea for like, where do we want to go? Is there a direction? And if there is, are we on the right course? And and so I think, number one, getting to know them. Number two, getting our head coaches in the room together uh, for the first time was extremely valuable. And I don't know if I would do it a different way. Uh, waited until November of that first year just because I I had a lot of learning to do. Mm. And uh, the best part for me was I think I spent 80% of, of those first couple months just listening. And then the other 20% asking questions about what I heard. Because again, in order for me to learn, I got to listen. And, and I've also got to ask questions about what I heard. So get to know your people, uh, get your people together, and then um, let's figure out where we want to go. And is this a place where collectively we want to go? Because like fundraising you, if we're not all believing in it, then we're going to be fragmented and we're not going to be as successful as we can be. And our kids are going to have a different experience every single season. And we've got over 123 sport athletes. And I can't even tell you, I think we're somewhere around four or 500 two sport athletes. So if I'm always trying to figure out the standards, the expectations from season to season, then I'm never going to get it right. And think about the, the, the families. If I got three kids and they're multi-sport, I'm trying to learn nine different things systems that's going to be a challenge mm. so we try to simplify it um but but to me that would be it get to know them uh get them in the room and then put together your mvp process so good i mean the point you just made up like i remember as an ad having silos and our different coaches first of all none of them had core principles maybe maybe one or two coaches had a set of core principles a version of maybe an elementary mvp process and then finally, you know, we kind of got it, got it going and we created uh, community respect and excellence for our, our department, but never did I put it together saying if a kid plays two or three sports and then you got families and they've got multiple kids playing other sports, how do we all get aligned to best serve our student athletes and then to allow our parents to support what we're bringing to our student athletes and to get all of our coaches aligned with our messaging and what it is we're teaching. Cause, cause essentially the, the purpose of having core principles in your program, your MVP process, is to teach those as behaviors, right? You're trying to teach the behaviors of, of being passionate, being respectful, focusing on one and present moment, only need everybody, being gritty, being reliable, accountable, and being mindful. And those are behaviors that these athletes are going to take with them the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's like Russ Waterman said something on the call, it got me emotional at the end of the call. He says, you get a student athlete's high school experience is 5% of their life. And that 5% of their life impacts the next 85. Mm -hmm. And John, take confidence, my friend, that what you are doing at Libertyville is setting them up to be successful with that next 85%. I just hope Mm -hmm. that the coaches that are here, the athletic directors that are here on this call today 
are 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 as inspired as I am. A little 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 blown away, right? In terms of just what what is possible, and how you can go do these, how you can go set this up with a culture of of intention and a culture of excellence. So, um, I know I'm I'm seeing the chat direct messages to me here. You know, if people want to circle back with you, John, and they want to bring you in to speak to their coaches, or they want you to come speak at their state AD association, or just get more John Woods, how can they contact you? Yeah, so email, uh, I threw my email in there. I'll, I'll throw my cell in there also. Um, probably the best way is uh, just call my cell. Um, if you call my office, I'll certainly get back to you. If you if you send me an email, I'll get back to you as quickly as possible. If you call my cell or, or shoot me a text, I'll get you right away. Mm, amazing. John, thank you for sharing that. And uh, man. Thank you for what you're doing for the kids of Libertyville. And thank you for what you brought tonight to this group coaching program. Couldn't do it without you, Brian. Oh, man, I'm just happy, happy to play a supporting role and be your corner, man. When you come back to the corner, getting beat up a little bit to stitch, stitch you up and put you back out there to try different things, and then get some feedback watching your performance. So been amazing, man. And I'm fired up to, uh, to join you and, and Chris and, and Mike and all the guys in, in ADs there in Illinois this weekend at the AD state association. So it should be super fun. Uh, quick note to everybody who's on the call. Thank you for being here. And our call is going to be next week. Um, it is going to be Monday, May 1st. Normally we go every other week. Uh, but right now we are going to do our call on Monday, May 1st. So that should be in your dashboard when you sign in, you'll see that, but just want to give everybody a heads up on that. And then we're going to take two weeks off and we're coming back to go Monday, May 22nd. And the guest who I had lined up for May 1st, uh, said that she no longer has a game on that night, college coach, so she cannot make it. So I, I think. I got to, I'm either going to pivot and bring on another coach or I might take it myself and kind of like recircle the wagons and go, Hey, here's what we've done through coaching matters in this group coaching program over the last almost what year and a half. Now, what are kind of some of the major points we've taken away and what, what is it that we should be doing? Because the one thing we always want to do is, is like you demonstrated today, coach move from theory to practice to mastery practice. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because nothing changes if nothing changes. And Coach Woods, you shared a lot of strategies today that we can take and use, man. So thank you so much for your time. And we'll thank see you. you in Illinois. Thank, appreciate you, brother. Right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Take care. Thanks, Mike Mahoon. Thank you, Fundraising University. Thank you, John Woods. Thank you, coaches, for what you do for kids. Let's dream big. Let's raise more. And let's dominate the day. See you, everybody.